Let's face it, leading school systems is isolating work. The expectations are often unrealistic and the conditions are clearly becoming more difficult over time. While leaders can't often publicly state their state of mind or emotional state, take it from us, their lives, hearts, and minds are strained. Something is different though about Mike Scott, superintendent of Hillsborough School District in the Portland metro area. Jeff has been so impressed with Mike over the years, especially his ability to stay grounded, calm, and content. We believe leaders learn from other leaders. We all can take something away from listening to Mike's open and honest perspective. Truly a leader of integrity and strength. You will love this. Enjoy. Ladies, gentlemen, educators, leaders, welcome to Leader Chat. Today is, um, I'm probably all say how, how great it's going to be. But today is going to be great in a very, very different way. And, and you'll see why here in a second. Um, so our, our, our guest is, is extremely, um, is, is our first of this kind. Um, and I'll explain that. But first, let me remind all of us that we here at Cognia, we manage and support the, the leadership circle, which basically is a community, a community of school system leaders, superintendents, their executive team, and the concept is leaders help leaders, and we have a strategy for that. This leader chat is just one of the things that we do, and you who are listening or watching are engaging in one of three ways. One, you're either watching live, which is kind of a members-only concept. Two, um, maybe you're going to watch the rerun of this, which we also send to our members. Or three, we, on a delayed way, we post this as a public podcast. And so you may be hearing it in that particular way. Um, we focus on a theme that we know leaders are working through and struggling through. It's kind of an organic process. We actually go find leaders, authors, um, thought experts in a particular area to create content aligned for our leaders. It's a very efficient 35 minutes is as long as we will go. Um, and today, the, the topic is an important one. The topic at this point in time is how can leaders stay grounded, calm, and content? And I actually went to a friend of mine for this. I, I, I asked, requested, I don't think I had to beg, one of my friends who is an incredible superintendent and is a member, but somebody I've known for years, to be on the show because um, there's something very unique about him. And I think you're going to hear and or see why. So let me hear in a moment, I'm going to read a little bit of his bio. I am going to say a couple of things that may embarrass him to his face in front of you. And then we're going to jump into some Q&A. So I want to introduce you to Mike Scott, who is the superintendent in Hillsborough, Oregon, Hillsborough School District. Born and raised in Oregon, Mike Scott has served in the Oregon public school system for more than 30 years. During that time, he has held a position of classroom teacher, assistant principal, principal, and assistant superintendent. He is currently serving as the superintendent of Hillsborough School District and has been since 2009. As a classroom teacher, Mike worked to actively engage each student in the learning process. As an administrator, he received the Oregon Middle School Principal of the Year Award in 2003 for his work 
Uh, Mike is also a past president of the Oregon Middle School Level Association, was previously awarded the Oregon State University College of Education's Trendsetter Award. Mike enjoys spending time with his family. His daughter is a graduate of the University of Oregon he is cur- and is currently living and working in Portland. And his son is a graduate of Linfield and is also living and working in Portland. Mike's wife is an administrator in the Tualatin School District, which is neighboring um, the Hillsborough School District. So let me welcome Mike and say a couple more things before I, I, I give him an opportunity to talk. So uh, everyone, let me, let's welcome Mike Scott to the screen. So Mike, before I ask you a question, I want to add this to your bio. Um, so ladies and gentlemen, I was working in Beaverton School District and Canby School District as a superintendent before that. So Mike and I are actually, we're neighbors, Hillsborough neighbors, the Beaverton School District. And uh, he is a leader that I got to work next to, side by side with, and um, admire for some time because he's pretty unique. Um, he, I wear my emotions on my sleeves. Um, I always have. Mike is uh, very, very honest and open and yet has a level of calm about him that is different than other leaders. Now, let me say this. The reason we're talking about this now is the last couple of years, let's face it, for leaders have been brutal, extremely challenging. But when I talk to Mike and I ask him, how are you doing? And he says, good. I actually believe him. And I even ask him, are you sure? Because I ask this of all the leaders I talk to. And he, eventually they are, are probably pretty honest with me. And they will say, actually, I'm not great. Mike is doing well. And I think that's interesting. I think that's amazing. I think it's commendable. And we have to talk about why and how. So first off, uh, Mike, I, I read your bio. I talked about you just now. What did I miss? And let me ask you the question I always ask you, like, how are you really? Uh, you didn't miss anything, Jeff. And it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, honestly, that's probably the nicest thing that anyone's going to say about me all day or for the rest of the week. So I, I appreciate the very kind words. And, and I want to be the first to acknowledge I cannot do any of this work on my own. I'm not nearly good enough to do that. And I am surrounded by such a committed board and talented team our teachers, our classified staff, everybody involved is is really good at what they do. And I'm I'm just honored to be in this leadership position. So I'm doing well. I'm, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm doing well. And that's um, it, it, not to say this hasn't come without challenges over the last 18 months, because it certainly has. But I feel like we've got the right team around us and the right uh, attitude around uh, for us to do okay during these difficult times. So... Um... I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you another question. The reason this next question is important is because if I were a listener, I may be thinking, well, that was a good answer. Right? Okay. That was a solid answer, right? You did all the things you're supposed to do, right? You, you gave credit to your team. Um, you did say it's been challenging. You gave credit to your board. Good job. But two, the listener may be thinking, but really. So let's, let's talk about the last 18 months. So I guess walk us through, you know, the last 18 months. And, you know, you've probably faced challenges as superintendent. But specifically, um, why have these issues maybe been different or more challenging um, that you've navigated as a leader compared to 
issues in the past. Yeah. So I've been at this a while. This is my 13th year as the superintendent in Hillsborough. And um, so I've, I've got some experience with problem solving, but I can honestly say there has been nothing like this 18 months that has challenged me in the way that it has. Um, it is, and you know, one of the things that um, has occurred to me during this time is the amount of self-doubt that I have uh, encountered is, is really amazing. I used to think that, hey, I'm pretty good at this job. And, you know, maybe for a few years there, I had a little swagger about me, kind of feeling like I had this figured out. But these last 18 months, I can tell you the swagger is definitely gone. And there is, um, there's just this self-doubt that has crept in and really, really just kind of pulling out of that self-doubt over the last four or five months. So every decision that has been made, it feels like we've second-guessed it. Um, you know, it's it's been a challenge and, and leading in a difficult time when that self doubt creeps in, I think even makes it more challenging. And everybody I've talked to, I have a group of superintendents that I'm tightly connected with. Everybody that I've talked to has echoed the same thing. They may not, they may not say it first, but when I say it, they kind of go, I'm so glad to hear that. And, um, and, and they all acknowledge that I, they question every decision they've made. So I, I think that's, I think that's part of the issue that's made it so difficult. And you you put on top of that this issue that we're living in a time that is so incredibly political and the willingness of people to find common ground just isn't there like it used to be, not to the same degree. And I used to pride myself on being able to find that common ground. And um, and that's been really challenging over the last, over the last uh, several months. I think the other thing that I would say is just the lack of predictability is has been something that takes its toll on leaders. Um, I used to back in the day when I was first teaching, I was uh, during the summer I would take a summer job and I would I would teach driver's ed. We had a saying as we were teaching the kids to drive that you aim high in steering, so you look way down the road so that your you know your turns aren't as jerky and it's just a smoother ride. And it allows you to see what's coming at you and make adjustments as necessary. And we've led that way in Hillsborough for a really long time. We, we look far down the road. We anticipate what the issues are. But I can tell you over these last 18 months, there have been time and time again where we are literally looking right over the hood, two weeks in front of us, and just trying to navigate those two weeks and, and get our act together for that time. And when you're not used to leading in that manner, it's it's a real adjustment and it's um, it just doesn't feel as smooth or as coherent as we're used to. Okay, so I want to unpack a couple of things that you just mentioned. Um, let's go back to the, the self-doubt, right? This, this swagger that sometimes leaders get. Sometimes right. even if they, they, they don't deserve swagger, they, they just get it because they're in a leadership position. People look to them and that yeah. creates this swagger and ego that comes with it, right? Mm-hmm. This self-doubt that you've had, how, how do you um, manage that? You just mentioned that sometimes you will be honest to other leaders about it, and then they will kind of breathe deeply yeah. knowing that, oh, I'm in a safe place. I can also mention that right. I'm not comfortable um, with myself or my own leadership. But how, do you, how have you been dealing with this, you know, maybe self-doubt along the way and maybe losing your swag, or what do you do about that? Are you just open and honest about it, or are you careful with yeah. how you mention it? 
I used to be careful about how I mentioned it because my goal was always to look like we've got this. And, and I, do, I do think we have it. But I'm also really honest with our administrative team about just the conflict that's going on internally. And I think we have to be. And the reason I say that is I don't think there's a principle out there probably in America right now, that hasn't encountered a lot of self-doubt and a lot of what the heck am I going to do right now? Those types of those types of questions. So um, as someone that's in a leadership position in the district, I think acknowledging it and giving space for that conversation to take place without judgment and being able to support each other, I think that's that's been what's important for our district. Um, one of the things that's interesting about our administrative team, and I, and I do think this just comes with longevity in a position, that um, have had the opportunity to create a culture and climate that has been pretty steadfast over the last 12, 13 years. And one of the things that's interesting about our administrative team is we are, we're a highly relational administrative team. We pull for each other. We care about each other. We call and check on each other. And, and we're a fairly large district for Oregon. We're the fourth largest district in Oregon. And... Um, but that's a value that we purposely work towards every day. Uh, we also hold each other accountable and we, we genuinely care for each other. We have difficult and we have really frank conversations. And what I didn't realize as the months rolled on here is how much we rely on being in person on a regular basis to keep that relationship nurtured. And uh, to bring others on board, we've hired a lot of new administrators during the pandemic and just the onboarding that's necessary and pulling them into the fold and not being in person has really hampered that. And, um, and that's been a loss for us. That, that's been almost uh, something that I know I have personally grieved and I know that um, our principals look forward when we get together. When we got together at the beginning of this year, it had been 505 days since we as an administrative team had been in person because of the rules and guidelines that are in place around COVID in the state of Oregon. And it was, it was a celebration. I mean, we, we love being together. Okay. So let me ask this then. Um, you, first, let me say Amanda Ripley, who wrote high conflict, she was a guest recently and she, she said, you know, when it comes to high conflict, one thing that's sometimes very helpful is that um, to be vulnerable, and to be open and to be honest, to be able to say, this is how I'm feeling, this, um, that we don't have this all together because no one knows exactly how to lead this, but we're doing the best we can. And instead of taking a position, the position being kind of the why, the focus on kids and schools, which is maybe what you mentioned is common ground, but constantly trying to bring it back to a vulnerability and common ground, almost as a strategy to diffuse the constant political fights that I know you and every school district in America is in the middle of. Does, does yeah. that make sense or did that, does that part resonate or is that maybe easier said than done? I, it resonates 100% for me. I, I used to not go there with our administrative team. And then there's, there's been some circumstances in my life that have caused me to not care so much about putting on this act and to be really vulnerable and authentic with our team. So I think if you were to come to one of our administrative meetings, our pre-K-12 meetings where we have the whole crew there, uh, you would find me being very authentic and very, um, you know, just, just very 
transparent with how I'm feeling about things, about um, some of the conflicts that are happening. Never, never going down the road of we can't do this, but definitely acknowledging that this is hard and it, it takes its toll on us as leaders. And let's make sure that we're caring for each other. So, yeah, that, that resonates with me a great deal. Okay, so you are the first, um, as, as we've been here at Cognitive and have established the, the, this leadership circle, you are the first leader chat that is uh, kind of a leader in the seat. You know, we've been talking with these, these authors and, um, you know, kind of thought-provoking people, and you're the first where we said we have to talk to somebody who's actually kind of in the trenches, so to speak. So this next question is actually really personal. Don't mention your team. This is about you. Okay. How is it that you keep, you know, things in perspective and kind of a level head through this? Because I just want to say to the audience, you do better than um, than many leaders that I know I'm talking with. So, what is your strategy? Whether that's an internal thought process, whether that is uh, whatever that may be, prayer, meditation. How do you do that? Because you actually do. Well, thank you. Um, so you and I go back a ways, and it, I've been through some experiences that uh, I think give me a perspective maybe that has helped help me with my maturity as a leader. And um, you know, just to mention some of that, I, as you know, I was diagnosed with cancer in 2012. And um, when I was first diagnosed, I was below the age of 50, and it, it was uh, colon cancer. And that's really unusual that uh, that, that would happen with someone um, at, at my age at the time. And when I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed as stage two. And so we did we did all the stuff, right? We, we had the surgery, did the chemo, did radiation, changed my diet, all of all of those things that uh, you could possibly do. We were we were going after it. And because it was stage two, and because we caught it fairly early, we were certain that we had this thing beat and that um, we were going to be able to return. And when I say we, I'm talking my wife and my family and I would be, would return to this old life that we had or that, you know, this my old way of being. And um, things were going great for a year. And then a year later, um, it returned. And to make matters worse, it actually spread to my liver. And so... When you have cancer that spreads to an internal organ like that, I was immediately upstaged to stage four at that point. And during the visit, the when the doctor was sharing that it had spread to the liver and that, um, that this isn't looking good, he shared a stat with us that said 70% of the people that have your type of cancer will not make it another three years. And when you get that kind of news, you you start to do some real reflection. You know, I like to think I'm a reflective guy, but when you get some news like that, it's it just changes your perspective on things. Now, we our decision was I, I immediately told the doctor, treat me like the 30% that do make it, because we intend to be in that category. And and I'm unapologetically optimistic in my life. So um, that that was my comment to him. And I knew, knowing myself well enough, I knew I had to make some goals for myself during this time uh, because it was, it, was, it was almost harder having it come back than hearing the news the very first time. 
it, because you you thought you were doing everything right and you know everything was just on track and um, so I set some goals for myself during that time because I knew I needed to um, to be really proactive and to keep my really to keep my head and my emotions right and one of my goals was to learn whatever I was supposed to learn while I was on this journey um, the second thing was if there was something I could teach somebody else then my hope was that I could be that light for them. And then my third one was just an odd one. And it was my own way of fighting back. And it was, I was going to walk three miles every day during every treatment that I had. So from the moment I was diagnosed till I was good to go, um, I was going to walk three miles. And um, regardless of how hard it was or how long that walk took, I was going to keep doing it. And really, as I went through that difficult time, my mantra in my head became just keep walking. Right? Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And and I got the miracle. I mean, I, I got the miracle. I It has been eight years now, and I am cancer-free. And there's, a, um, there's this phrase they use in oncology, NSD, no sign of disease. And, and that's where I am right now. So when, when you ask me how do you keep it in perspective or how do you stay calm, I, I, of course, would never choose to have cancer but I also wouldn't trade what I've learned along the way. And, and I've just learned some valuable leadership lessons. Okay, so uh, let, let me dig a little bit. Um, so it sounds like what you're saying, and by the way, um, knowing you then throughout that process, um, you have always demonstrated this optimism and strength. We, we marveled at it. We as are your colleagues around you um, couldn't understand your kind of resilience and strength through that process. Um, but you said just keep walking. So I guess my curiosity is that concept of just keep walking. Sandy Barber was with us last week. Who's, um, she's the athletic director of Penn State. She's been through some really wild things. Right. And her point was, Oh, you're going to survive another day. Just, of course you will. You have to just think, I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow. Yeah. You say, just keep walking. Um, relate that to the leadership challenges now that everyone is currently facing. Obviously, not everyone has been able to go through, not been able to, has had to go through what you have to come out healthy and standing on the other side. Um, but translate it. How has that perspective helped you, you know, just keep walking? Yeah. It, it's one of the biggest lessons that I learned is that we are going to have things happen to us that are totally out of our control. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a worn out leadership uh, notion, but it's how we respond to that that matters. And my goal is to be prone towards action, right? We, I am not that interested in, having these things come at us and they just wait to see how it turns out. That, that really doesn't um, fit my personality or fit our goals as an organization. And so we are always looking at, okay, we, here's what we're presented with. What's our next step? I, I get teased about it in our administrative meetings because I don't think I ever end a meeting without saying, okay, what are next steps? And, and that's really how we've approached this entire pandemic is, what are our next steps? What can we do right now that's going to make this situation a little better for us uh, as we keep going? And the other thing I would say is, uh, 
a huge learning for me. And, and I've always been relational with people and, um, you know, that's always a value of mine, but the degree to which the relationships that were already established before we started through this pandemic, those mattered so much. Uh, we know that, um, or I know that the deposits that we made in the relationship bank with individuals, we made a lot of we made a lot of withdrawals here over the last several months. And, and I know that sometimes people would go along with what our next steps were because I had made those deposits. Not always because they thought, hey, that's the best idea I've ever heard. But they, there was trust that had been generated. And, uh, and I know that was big for us. I think that, you know, just the other thing for me personally is I had to get to a spot where and this, this was during the stage four years where you get to this point where you, you, you believe and you, you actually embrace. It's not how much time you have left. It's what you do with that time. And, and that's really the way that I've tried to lead ever since those moments. And um, I had to let go of this notion that I just want my old life back and embrace and celebrate and be thankful for the life that I have. And when I think about the leadership journey that we've been on, we've all mourned the way school used to be. So we've, we've all went through that. I mean, we just want school back how it was. We just want our old lives back. And I constantly remind myself when we think about the good old days, those good old days weren't good for everybody, right? We have a lot of marginalized students and a lot of, in our district, a lot of students of color that those weren't the good old days. Uh, and so we've got this opportunity now to as we keep walking and as we move forward, uh, we can rebuild in a way that promises a brighter future than we've been able to deliver in the past. Do you think that's an opportunity for a common ground discussion? That the fact is, uh, we know that there's a pressure to go back. I mean, right. there is a public pressure right now to go back right. to how, because it was comfort uh, to some people. Like you said, however, we were always, we've always been trying to change and innovate in education. Right. If we can't do that now, we never will be able to do it. I mean, it, it's as ripe for change as it's ever going to be. The question is, do we have the will and fortitude to actually get it done um, right. amidst a very turbulent political time? So how do you, how do you navigate that, knowing exactly what you just said? One of the things that we've been talking about is we've been we we had to deliberately think back about how school used to be and how it is now to give us some touch points about some of the changes that have already occurred. We've been trying to um, have some conversation around grading in our district for a long time, and we, as we've gone through this pandemic, that has naturally occurred, and we have staff asking for it and moving forward on it. We've been trying to hone in our tech skills for a long time. That happened within the first month of the pandemic. We, we distributed thousands of machines and thousands of hotspots to kids. And, and, and so we've done that. And I think one of the things that has been important for us is to acknowledge the changes that have already occurred that wouldn't have. We've just been in this blender of activity for the last 18 months. It's so hard to even recognize the changes that we've made. So for us, it starts with acknowledging, okay, we made some huge strides. What we're doing today is better than it was a month ago. It's definitely better than it was six months ago. And 
it's some of our areas are better than it was two years and three years ago. So I think just acknowledging that we've already made some of those strides and continuing to build on those and get those cemented in as practices that we're going to embrace. I, I think that's the, I think that's, we've got to build on the momentum that we've made and celebrate that momentum and then just keep walking towards whatever the next thing is. Okay. Let me, let me shift and, and I want to ask a very practical question. Um, so you and I, before this, sh- this started, you know, we, before we went live and started airing, we were talking about schedules. And I used right. to pride myself on being busy. And my work hours, I kind of wore it like a badge of honor, which was really silly. Um, but I did a lot of silly things. And so, but now leaders have reached a new level of busy. I mean, I, yeah. I used to think I was busy, but in comparison, you know, right. um, it's different. So with it, that demand, the politics, everything we've described, um, how do you how do you manage, you know, day to day personally? Do you have any certain strategies that you try to build in for yourself so that you can end the day um, as opposed to just frustrated and angry, feeling like you know what, I I I can I can walk I can still walk. How, what do you do day to day? I think what you mentioned about everybody wearing their busyness like a badge of honor is so incredibly true. Um, I've got to the point now where when we're talking about schedules, I remind people now this isn't a contest. And if it, if it is a contest of who's busier, it's one I want to lose. Right? I, I don't want to win that contest. Uh, and one of the things that I found is that for me, I exercise on a regular basis. I spend a lot of time with my family and my friends. Uh, for me, that that fills me up. Um, I'm a person of faith, so um, that helps me. I can't imagine navigating this on my own, to be honest. And the other thing that I think I've learned over the last couple months, or uh, the last several months, is to lead by your values. So, and and that sounds so obvious, right? It just sounds so obvious that we're going to use our values, and that's how we're going to make decisions, and that's how we're going to move forward. And then you get all of the politics involved with that. And you get these pressure points from different um, members of your community and you get state pressure and you get national pressure. And so for me, making the decision and I, ma- I made this decision about four or five years ago, and it was in the midst of a really different, uh, a difficult political time locally. And I made the decision that I was going to act more like an educator than I would a politician. And again, it sounds so easy, but I can tell you, I had drifted into politician land uh, more often than I wanted to. And um, I, I started using my values as an educator to make decisions. And for me, that was so incredibly freeing. I, I mean, I remember the day that I said to myself, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I, this is, I'm going to act like an educator. And, um, and that was so incredibly freeing and it, it frees up it, it just diminishes the amount of stress you have around decision-making. It becomes a little more obvious what your next step should be. Okay, so let's, you know this, most of what we do in our leadership circle is trying to create a circle, right? Leaders helping leaders. This is, this is the one thing that we do that is just um, kind of pushing out content and information and perspective. But let's just pretend you and I are at a table um, it's a circle leader table, and we have other leaders around the table. 
and there may be some, you know, fairly new people to leadership or some leaders that are just struggling mightily, which would be, you know, understandable and fair. What, what pragmatic advice would you have for them? And what would you want to leave them with? Like, here's what I would ask you to consider in order to, or in search of this kind of, you know, level of, you know, groundedness and calm and contentness that you've created for yourself. What, what advice do you have for them? I think uh, two things come to mind right away as you ask that question. The first one is check your ego at the door. You you are not expected to know the answer to every question that you're asked. And if you are trying to fake it, people will find you out quickly. So check your ego at the door. The, the thing, though, that has been the most helpful for me is the, well, two things. I, I think I'm fortunate because I have a personality that allows me to compartmentalize things pretty well. So I think, I think I'm just lucky there. I was kind of born that way. But in fact, Jeff, you have a phrase that you've used for years, don't lead alone. I have surrounded myself with superintendents that I value their input. I value their friendship. And we talk through, we meet every week. I mean, we, we virtually, we get on for an hour and we meet every week. And there's people that I call on the side and, and surrounding yourself with that team to help give you a perspective and to help keep you, you know, sometimes you just want to know, am I on the right track here? And that's been incredibly, incredibly helpful for me. So um, this is what I know. I know that um, if leaders listening to you, um, listening to your experience, to the, the, the different things that you've been exposed to, the cancer, the challenge, and so forth, and, and actually use that as fuel to navigate this. Right. Um, I know that this ends up being really, really kind of pragmatic information for them because they know you're in that seat um, and you're doing it. So... I, I just want to thank you for, you know, kind of who you are, not just for your community, but actually for kind of our community, because I think that your influence in this case um, expands beyond Hillsboro, expands beyond um, Oregon, and um, it, that wouldn't happen if you weren't willing to carve out time out of your crazy, nutty schedule to, to talk with me and to talk with us and our members. So. I really, I really appreciate you, Mike. Well, it's been a pleasure being here. And um, like I mentioned, you're, you're a person I've appreciated over the years. You've, um, during the difficult days, you prayed for me, you supported me, you called and checked in on me, and you're part of that circle that, that I talk about. So thank you. It's been an honor to be here, and I, I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for your time. Uh, I, I know that by listening to Mike, Mike Scott, Hillsborough School District Superintendent, um, you, you probably gained some really interesting perspective. I, I assume that your head is nodding up and down as you're either listening or watching. And so I thank him. I thank all of you for all the work you're doing, supporting your communities and your children in schools. Everyone, be well. <laughs>